Hello and welcome to episode number 297 of the Super Horror Bros podcast. I'm your host Matt and joining me as always is my brother Mike. Hello. How's it going? We're back. We are back after a, a week off uh, because I had zero voice last week and you apparently can't do a podcast if you don't have a voice. I mean, um, I would have been okay with it for the record. Yeah, you would have... Would have uh, would have been an interesting one with me just sort of record hitting the record grunting, button. Yeah, and then just grunting. <laughs> yeah, and just seeing how you get on by yourself. We'll have to try that next time. As I thought it was over. I thought, I thought we'd, you know, 300 feels cursed. I, I just didn't think it was going to happen. <laughs> I think a few people did. I got a few different correspondents being like, so, so that's it, huh? <laughs> I was like, no, no, just taking a week off. We were going to take a week off prior to 300 Dude, anyway. Not, not yet. No, not yet. Um, but yeah, we've uh, we've actually got like a lot of exciting things to talk about in the coming weeks, uh, which maybe we'll get to later on. Um, but yeah, we're going to be discussing Firestarter, a kind of new adaptation of a Stephen King story. Um, so yeah, that'll be pretty interesting. Um, but first, there's a little bit of news. A couple of this is kind of from the last week or so, um, but I did end up deleting a th- few things as well. Um, this first one, I-, I just bung this in here quickly just to touch upon it because it is a small update of something we were talking about recently. And it's just funny that this is the update um, because we talked about the Nun 2 um yeah. being a thing and we kind of mused in our conversation like how they really dropped the ball with the setting of that movie mm. and it we were basically both saying like they need to hone in on what made the nun character so effective in the conjuring 2 um which was clearly not you know as effective in the spin-off movie and What's rather interesting is as part of a kind of casting call, um, we do have a brief plot synopsis for the film, um, which is funny because it starts off by saying 1956 France, um, <laughs> which obviously puts that very much in the exact Thumbs same up. type of era um, as the nun. Um, it even talks about Sister Irene coming face to face with the demon force once again, um, which they haven't talked about, like any other cast return, you know, other than Bonnie Aaron's mm. playing the nun. Um, so it's interesting if they'll just recast that character. Um, but I did want to just throw this in here quickly because this was kind of like our worst fear immediately realized yeah. was like, yeah, they're just making another nun movie, um, which is a shame, isn't it? Like we wanted them to go yeah, something I mean, different. I get it. But like as soon as we heard the nun too, that was kind of my worst fear. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, this <laughs> I'm, I'm not surprised in the slightest because they just seem to take they've, they've taken this journey with the nun character. Hmm. Yeah, it's a shame. Like I said, the the director for me is very 50-50 in his kind of Conjurer movies. Like, he made the worst one for me and then one of the better ones. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, not really too much to add about that one. I just thought that was funny. Yeah, but like, we, need to, we need to just realize if the movie has the word Conjuring in it, then, mm. we, then we like it. If it's the Conjuring universe, we don't. That's pretty much the rule. It is, but we didn't know that prior to the last movie because we would have said, well, if it's directed by James Wan, we'll like it. Yeah, um, yeah, true. But I think now we know. Let, let, let's stop, please. Mm. Please, let's stop. <laughs> yeah, well, if we keep seeing them, they're probably never going to stop. Um, oh, but moving swiftly on to a better franchise, mm. um, Scream. Oh, Obviously, yeah. it's dominated everything this year still um, with the kind of big hits. Oh, nice. Um, So, yeah, obviously, like, we're going to be returning to Scream very soon next year, in fact. And we've kind of... We obviously heard rumblings. Um, We obviously talked about, like, the writers and the directors returning. And then I think we did talk about one legacy member potentially returning um, Mm -hmm. in the news recently, which, weirdly enough, I don't think has been officially confirmed yet. So I won't talk about that now because we do have five cast members here that have been officially confirmed um so again i'm going to throw this up again but and as i will say as a caveat this is scream dead characters have returned take with that what you will i'm not we're not inferring anything we're not going to talk about the fate of these characters in the slightest i'm merely going to talk about characters that have been in previous entries that have been confirmed for scream six um and so we have four um actors um coming back from this year's installment um which is Melissa Barrera, who played Sam, um, Jenna Ortega, who played Tara, uh, Jasmine Savoy Brown, who played Mindy, and Mason Gooden, who played Chad. Um, so obviously the kind of two sets of siblings there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's interesting. Like it's 
without trying to talk too spoilery but like it it makes sense to me these four characters returning i think it's good i particularly very much enjoyed mindy and chad in the film yes exactly um, what i was gonna say i'm i'm very happy with that one yeah so it's 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 cool like it, it it's kind of a no-brainer but it's one of those things that you kind of need to see it and then it's like okay like we are establishing now this isn't like a complete new spin-off or anything like that it's clearly gonna deal with the repercussions of the last movie which is interesting um but easily the most exciting part about this is the fifth member um which is returning and this this character shall we say was in this year's scream in a small easter egg but is primarily based upon uh from scream 4 which is uh in my opinion still the best sequel to scream um and that is kirby reed uh played by hayden pantanier who is obviously a massive fan favorite from Scream 4. A um, lot of clamoring to bring back this character. A lot of, you know, did she or did she die in Scream 4? Um, obviously, she was confirmed. Well, I guess that is a slight spoiler. But, like, there's a very small Easter egg that's blinking. You'll yeah, miss I mean, it. We, we literally didn't see it when we watched yeah. the film at the cinema. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> call it a spoiler if you will. But... Yeah, it's nothing to do with the plot of the movie or anything, but it's merely an Easter egg that confirms the character did, in fact, survive, um, which mm. was cool. And I, I think fans really did pick up to that. i think that was almost like a tester of like do people really still give a shit about kirby and it turns out mm. people really do um and so this is fantastic news i think it's great that we already had characters that were specific to scream 4 return this year um yeah. and so now, now we're seeing more of that which i which i'm down for plus i loved kirby i think she's a really good character and i can't wait to see how she kind of settles into this new era of scream um oh me too i i i love kirby as well I'm, i mean it stinks of cotton weary which i'm a little yeah. bit worried about yeah um, but i love kirby too and i think kind of you know spoiler free but when we when we talked about the last movie it was kind of like we love those legacy cast members but there's only so long that they can exist in this world where it just feels weird mm. where you've got these kind of you know, pushing 50-year-olds, um, you know, hanging out with these teenagers, trying to kind of, you know, be like, oh, you're on the interwebs. And just, I don't know, it all starts to feel a bit awkward. Mm. And I think, you know, something like Kirby is kind of like, well, she has her leg in the kind of, you know, the Wes Craven movies, if you like. You know, she is a legacy character, but she's kind of, you know, can be seen in this world to still kind of, you know, make sense and, and you know, un unlike the others. And I just think as well, when you've been through so many, like of that our other kind of main legacy characters have been through, it just, it starts to get a little bit like, you know, it, I, they, they just shouldn't keep making it this far. But then if, if any of them do get bumped off, it's also like tragic. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, it's just, it's just at this point, I'm like, I would just like them to be happy in the world away from this. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm more than happy for Scream to continue without them as well. I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah, well, that was interesting, obviously, about this year's Scream was like it was mm. the first Scream movie where Sydney isn't the lead character. Mm. Um, and that in itself was already interesting. And so now going to this next sequel next year, I am super curious. Like they've already talked about kind of they they proved that they could make a faithful um new screen movie that kind of yeah. respected the past and i get that but i also feel like it probably was a bit too safe at times um yeah. and so i like the fact that they can kind of go we've done that now we've proven that there's already now a screen movie out there which isn't directed by wes which already kind of breaks a lot of the legacy stuff for me yeah. so i'm already i'm already kind of like i don't really care at this point just go out and do your thing and just make a yeah. fun movie and so i hope that they really tear up the rule book you know we've talked about time and time again that scream you can do so much stuff you know kill off the killer in the opening scene like there's so many different things you can do have the killer be revealed in the first act act you know like there's so many different things you could do um yeah. and so i really want to see them play around with this and with this <clears throat> core group that they're already setting up of five people like there's so much you can do with this of like who's going to be the lead character and to me it doesn't need to have a lead you know you could really have it as a more ensemble thing as like a it type thing but that you know i would really like to see something like that um i i kind of expected that from this year's scream of it being like more of an ensemble but then it ultimately did end up just being like one character's journey ultimately. So yeah, I'm curious to see where it goes either way. Um, I think it's one of them things where I think I, I like it being tethered in Woodsboro as well. I think that kind of gives you the, the, the kind of throwback feeling, but it can be, you know, how many people were messed up because of the acts of the screen movies and, and everything else, you know, how many lives were affected by it and kind of, mm. 
you know they can they can do infinite things with this you know and I, that that was one of the things that i enjoyed so much about the most recent one was when we got the kind of um siblings of the the original cast members and all of that stuff it was it was really fun like you know that that was kind of why we really liked the mindy character and that sort of thing so much mm. and i think you know that that works as well yeah it'll be interesting to see like i say there's so many different ways they can go with it um and yeah we'll find out very soon because this is uh going to be shooting pretty soon and then the whole sort of hype begins again teaser trailers etc yeah. so uh strapping because scream ain't going anywhere um next up is a kind of a TV show that we watched last year that we were excited for that was ultimately a massive disappointment, um, which was American Horror Stories, the kind of spin-off anthology. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of wondered, like, where where would they go with this? Um, because it was, you know, they were trying something different based upon this very well-established brand. It failed categorically, in my opinion. Um, I didn't really see much love for it at all, and, and I just can't see where people were trying it. Like, I think there was one episode coming out of it where I'd be like, that was okay. I think the rest were all pretty tragic. Um, but it is returning, um, and it is returning pretty soon. Um, so American Horror Stories will return for a second installment beginning on July 21st this year. So only a couple of months away. Um how do you feel about this? Do you, is there still enough love for you for the brand that you're going to give this a shot, or, or was it so bad that you're like, man, that's that's irredeemable at that point? I don't know. I'm pretty close either way, to be honest. Like, I'm not. I'm not sure, but I. I'm definitely not excited for it. It's one of them things where, like, you know, if I'm not watching anything else TV wise, then I might throw it on and give it a chance. But it really did burn me quite hard. You know, I think the the core um show itself at this point you know it's it's really good but it's gone for so long that Mm. like they have to get me back for that every year let alone spin off yeah it was weird like especially last year that we had kind of yeah we had a two-year gap for the first time where i I felt genuinely like i missed american horror story for the first time in a decade Mm. and so then having american horror stories be the lead in and it be so tragic and then trying to wash that taste out of my mouth and ultimately finding last year's season of the proper show decent but pretty unfulfilling um i was kind of like man i don't even know where we go from here and so with this coming so soon like i'm worried about how quick this turnaround was um i also wonder i don't know off the top of my head if we are getting the main show this year i kind of hope we're not um because i am at the point now where i would just take a break from it again um Mm. but who knows but yeah I i will watch this I'm not committing to watching all of it, though, because mm-hmm. I think if it starts in the first couple of episodes or like the last season, there's just no way. Like it was it, it became such a waste of time towards the end. It really did. I was only watching it because of the brand recognition. There was like nothing in it that I was enjoying, really, towards the end. Um, and then, yeah, moving on. This one is uh, I found this one like yesterday and I don't know why this hasn't blown up more um, because I've been waiting for Black Mirror News for a very long time yeah i I saw this and i was like it's so strange yeah like i've been waiting like three years for Mm. them to at least start talking about it and they kind of have so this has been reported on variety that are just saying like they basically just put out a, a news article saying like it is happening like black mirror is returning casting is currently underway which obviously means that this is still pre-production um they talk about season six will have more episodes than season five which obviously only had three episodes um but they did say that they are still treating it in the same manner which is that it's going to be even more cinematic in scope um each installment is being treated as an individual film in terms of like you know the cast in the production everything like that um and so they probably will exceed over 60 minutes in length each one um um, but that's it and like I'm, I'm i'm first of all i'm just very happy that the word black mirror is being talked about um sure. i'd done some research at the start of the year that basically led me to believe that it might have been the end of black mirror there was a lot of talks that netflix didn't actually have the license anymore um it's a very difficult thing to wrap your head around because there's a, a british production company called endemol that actually make black mirror and then it's like it's through like a co-licensing deal that netflix have it it's very complicated um but endemol themselves have gone through like a massive restructuring during covid and so it ultimately came like it it sounded like 
the odds of us getting more Black Mirror anytime soon were as far mm. away as it ever been. Um, obviously, Charlie Brooker has kind of been doing a lot of different stuff on Netflix. Like he's done his Death to 2020 and 2021 specials, uh, which are both great if people haven't seen them. Um, and another like the different thing as well that I haven't seen on Netflix. So he's been busy doing other stuff for Netflix that isn't Black Mirror, which always makes me think that it's not going to happen. Um, yeah. So it is exciting, isn't it? But I mean, we're three years away at this point. Like, we're probably, st- I would get, hes- like, estimate we're still another year away, um, which is oh, a shame. Definitely. But obviously, that, it'd be worth, you got to hope that it's worth the wait, right? Like, are you, are you still, like, ready for Black Mirror to come back? Oh, oh, hell yeah. Like, I definitely, like, I like them saying that they treat each one as their own experience, but I don't want them to be feature length. Mm. Like, I think what Black Mirror did is something that we talk about loads that, you know, there are so many feature movies that we watch that would have been a great short, that Mm. would have been a great 30 or 40 minutes. And I think that's something that Black Mirror did fantastic. They gave us world class, you know, 40 to 60 minute episodes. And they, um, you know, that's what I really liked. I think, don't get me wrong, their longer episodes have been good, but I just... To me, Black Mirror should be, you know, that sort of length format and, you know, not not focusing on making six feature movies. Let's just give us six really great stories that are the length they need to be. Mm. Um, but I think as well, Black Mirror is something that, you know, you think of some of these other shows where they do stay rigid to a time, whereas Black Mirror has been all over the place. Yeah. You know, and, and, I, and, I, and I like that. The episodes could be 30 minutes. They could be nearly two hours. You mm. know, tell me the story you want to tell me and the time you want to do it. But don't make every story, you know, over that 90 minute mark just because you want to put out six features. Yeah, well, I, I love that. And I kind of I remember saying on this show when we did our review of season four saying that at the time uh i was like okay this is cool but they shouldn't feel the need to always put out six at a time and then mm. they did that they put out three and i think it is interesting and i've and i said i didn't say that at the time that they should do three i basically said like yeah when it's done it's done like it doesn't it doesn't need to be a number it's just black mirror yeah. when there's black mirror stuff that you feel you need to write um and you produce and you release that's it and so i definitely think that Obviously, we had Snatch and stuff, but yeah, like I, I'm desperate for more of this. Like, I think those first two seasons in particular that they did on Netflix were just so unbelievable to kind of do yeah. two six episode seasons, and I really think four of them are like incredible in both seasons, and then yeah. it is probably one that's very good and one that's okay. And I think that as like a ratio of like the first twelve that they put out is so mind blowing, and then. Yeah. Obviously, to do Bandersnatch, which was kind of like interesting, and then the last three, which I think ultimately were disappointing um, as a whole, I think that's clearly been why they kind of... I think they would have took a step back anyway, because season five was the first time they got at least a mixed reaction like it wasn't negative and i don't think it was a bad season either it was just very mixed um and then obviously covid hit and so it was like okay this is very difficult to do this is like a cross kind of atlantic production like it's primarily a british show that is like mostly used in american actors and filmed in america um so it's not the easiest thing to do during a pandemic so i definitely think we're now in that space creatively as well that like charlie and the team have had so long to kind of look at so many different trends and you think about so much so much has happened in the last three years that is like rife for black mirror takedown um and so yeah i i just i think we always need to live in a world where black mirror is a thing because otherwise it scares me because i think black mirror is too close like the reality then is black mirror well Um, i was gonna say that's the thing the second black mirror doesn't exist we're in black Mirror. yeah exactly i mean we have been for the last you know since june 2019 that's that's why we've not had black mirror because Mm. we've been living it exactly things at least if black mirror comes back it makes me think the world has got back into check in somewhat 100 so, yeah. So, yeah we need to keep it as fiction so yeah, yeah we hopefully. need to keep the science fiction within black mirror <laughs> i feel like that should be an episode of black mirror yeah <laughs> like you know this show has to exist to keep the genie in the bottle oh that'd be such an amazing meta way of the show returning and trying yeah. to like <laughs> just do that in some capacity it's just this I just love the, welcome, the, the, level, the level of creativity that, that goes into something like Black Mirror. I still think is unrivaled. I, I really do. I think it's such a special, like, I've never seen science fiction like it. And I, I just want it to be back. Um, I think that's the thing. When you think of, like, a show like Stranger Things that is, you know, one of my all-time favorite shows right mm. now, like, that is a stellar idea that they've ran with. Mm. But what they've done with Black Mirror, like you said, that there, there are 
15 stories in Black Mirror that at this point that are just these world-class stories mm. that, that I can pinpoint and think of and has made me walk away thinking of it, you know, deeper and deeper. And, you know, that that's what's so impressive about it. Yeah, like if, there, if those 15 stories were 15 movies, that would be 15 of my top 20 sci-fi films ever. Like yeah. that's how good their science fiction is when they do it right. So, yeah. I just can't wait. And yeah, hopefully this is the, the this is the beginning of a new season, which is long overdue. Um, but yeah, that's it for the news. Uh, shall we talk about this week's film? Let's do it. Let's talk about Firestarter. So yeah, Firestarter 2022, obviously a remake of the 1984 film Firestarter based upon the 1980 novel Firestarter. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. I have I have not read the novel or seen the original movie, so this is all new to me. <laughs> I think um, it was one of them that always just like asked the question like, Carrie exists. I think that was why mm. I never saw Firestarter. Like it just felt in tone quite similar to it. And and you know, that's probably, you know, I mean we can go into that when now we've seen <laughs> this iteration of Firestarter. Mm. But I think that was one of the things where I, I kinda like saw the the posters and stuff and like, you know, you only saw Carrie very recently. And I remember like being like, Well, you know, I remember seeing both of them and being like, I've seen neither of these and then watched Carrie and felt like, okay, I'm, I've scratched that Stephen King, like weird supernatural power itch next. <laughs> but still. yeah, well, and the other thing about the original movie as well is like, it obviously has its fans because it's an eighties horror film, Correct. but I always knew that it had a pretty, let's just say mix to be kind response like it's not one of these movies that people are jumping out saying oh my god you have to watch it it's very much like a eh, it was i always thought of it as like the the lost you know stephen king movie yeah. of like there's there's so many fans of different king films and i feel like there's a very small group of people that are like oh firestar is very good you know like i always kind of looked at it and was like oh yeah like it's interesting like it's another sort of drew barrymore like that's kind of interesting but yeah the movie has never like on paper grabbed me enough to obviously watch it up until this point mm. um but yeah, obviously we get to see a brand new version which is uh clearly going to be much better um so what is this what is this little film about yeah so um our lead character is what well, how old is she like 10 or 12 they kind of they they must say in the movie but basically a young a young girl by the name of charlie who um basically her along with her parents kind of have this um have I guess like these powers and it's kind of difficult to know exactly what their powers are but we know very mm. early on in the movie that Charlie basically whenever she gets elevated tension you know whether she's scared or you know um, afraid or whatever she basically can generate fire and and kind of uh, it starts off being pretty uncontrollable where things will just kind of combust around her and then kind of like as we meet Charlie kind of older and by older, I mean, you know, 10 to 12 or whatever she is for the bulk of this movie. She kind of has the ability to control this power a bit more. And throughout the movie, she mm. kind of controls it more and more. Um, the movie itself is is basically a shady government uh, uh, scientists are basically trying to capture her and, and take kind of control of her to, to get control of her power you know very stranger things very 11 in that in that respect mm. maybe she's 11 years old um and um yeah basically her and her parents go on the run from from these government kind of operatives and um they're, they're trying to basically protect her and shield her from from these people and um they kind of send these bounty hunters um after her um what's he called Rainbird or something is the main guy yeah, um, it is, yeah, Rainbird. <laughs> who, I'm, I'm not going to lie, I straight up thought it was going to be Richard Brake. Like when, when I, I did as well. Did you? 
and like yeah well i i knew it wouldn't like be because like i was, like, I, was well. like I would have heard about this mm. if he was in this film but the way they show him yeah. and, he, and the way he's talking yeah. like the cadence in the yeah. in the darkness i was like wow he's really trying to make this seem like this is richard Brake. <laughs> i did the exact same thing I, and it's I, such a richard Brake-esque character really as well is. like this is exact character it, that he it would was, play it was basically doomhead getting the call you know, he's all yeah. ta- tattooed up. I mean, maybe not quite as extreme as that, as Doomhead getting the call. But, you know, he's all tattooed yeah. up and he's kind of, you know, in this dark place. And, yeah, when he got the phone call, I, I did the same thing watching the movie. I was I was like, hang on a second. What? <laughs> and then I, I was like, oh, no, don't be silly. Of course, we, we would have known yeah. about this. But, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I guess that's the, the plot of Firestarter. I think it's... Um, you know, delving into kind of why she has these powers and everything else, then, you know, we might want to go down that road. But initially she has these powers and she's being chased for mm. these powers. Taylor's old as time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think one of the things is, is that I was, I, I, I mean, I've seen the trailers and stuff, but when the movie kind of rolled, like credits rolled, I was surprised to see that this was a Bloomhouse movie. Yeah. Like I'd forgot and kind of like looking at the budget of this and looking at like the cast and everything else, like it feels out of kilter with Bloomhouse and their kind of releases. It um, does, yeah, you're right. You know, it's a fifteen million pound budget, which is gonna like massively tank uh on that, uh, by mm. the looks of it. And um, you know, it, it just you know, we've spoken for years how they have this mould and how they've done so well with it. And it, it it feels massively like they just had to gobble up a Stephen King, like, IP. It was just like they kept seeing all the different ones and kind of, you know, wanting to get in on it as much as they can and just gobble up as many. And this just really does feel like one where they kind of, you know, grab they grab as many as they could. And this one, they were like, okay, we've got it. Now what do we do? And, you know, paying big money for, like, a, a Zac Efron as well, I think it's kind of, I don't know, it just feels out of kilter with the way they usually do things. It definitely does, and I think ultimately it's because I mean, this shows you how expensive special effects are. Yeah. Because this is a very heavy special effects film, um, extremely so for a Bloom Pass movie, even more now you've said that, but even just watching it, you, we don't see many horror films that have just this level of overall visual effects. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, most scenes have to have visual effects. Um, they don't look great. Like, they they truly do not look good. And I think that just shows you that when you have a movie that, that you know, there's... God, there's just so many shots of special effects. And so that's when the budget can just creep up and creep up. Okay. And then when you're dealing with an hour and a half movie that has a shit ton of visual effects, like, say, 15 million isn't going to cut it. Like, you need to you know triple quadruple that to even get close to to what would kind of pass by these days and, and I'm, obviously we're not talking about you know marvel movies that cost like 200 million dollars to make but even like the lesser big visual effects heavy movies you can't make them for 15 million and so i think that's you're absolutely right that this is a weird film to bloomhouse to make on the the front of it just because i don't you can't really make this cheap unless you unless you go in a completely different um visual direction and try and do it all practical um which i don't think would have worked either like i do think making firestarter in 2022 you do have to go visual but then it puts it into a whole other stratosphere whereas i feel like this probably needed to be like an 80 million dollar budget movie and in that case it never would have seen a cent of that in return would it no um so it is it is a weird one like it is like and especially i feel like stories like this is so obvious why certain stories should just remain in their original form yeah where it's like when stephen king writes a story he doesn't have to worry about budgetary concerns yeah, exactly. it's a whole reason why something like it yeah he's, was he's not like very... oh, there's 17 fireball effects in this story he's like oh well yeah and and the rest yeah. like the the fact that yeah something like it it travels different time periods the shape-shifting alien a cast that's young and old like when he wrote that he didn't give a shit about trying to get that on screen you know and then when they tried to do it back in the day on a budget they struggled and so thankfully when they did do it they managed to do it right because they had a mental budget and that was just one of those cases where it paid off mm-hmm. um whereas i think with this story you know and then, then the stories like the shining where it's like well yeah you can obviously make that on a small budget like the story asks for it um whereas this is yeah, when you have a little girl who's constantly setting both herself and things around her on fire, there's just no way you can do that cheaply. Where's Craven? Um, done it. 
<laughs> yeah, you could have done it. Uh, I'm probably glad he didn't. Yeah. I mean, um, <laughs> I mean, Wes can get multiple people on fire in movies that have no need for it whatsoever. I'm just saying. Just saying. Yeah, he... He can do. I don't know whether he should be allowed to. Um, no, no I'm sure story. one day those stories might see the light of day, but I think most of those stuntmen aren't around anymore. So where's yeah, the sadly. That? Um, but, but yeah, I think I, I get what you're saying with the practical effects and that they are needed, but I, uh, or sorry, the special effects, but I do just think they, they made a very conscious decision that her power was so big and it, and it mm. you know the scale of it could have been toned back quite significantly um mm. and and you know could could have been a more sensible choice but um yeah i mean f- for me this movie is just one where it didn't it didn't move the needle for me but likewise i don't want to be like incredibly harsh on it because i thought it was fine it just kind of mm. is so by the numbers you know, I, I I literally found myself getting a bit bored when I was synopsizing it, where I'm just like, <laughs> oh, yeah, she just has these powers and the agents go after her. And it's like that. That's, we, that's, we've seen a, yeah. maybe 10 movies that are, that are like extremely similar to that plot set yeah. up at this point. And that's the thing, you know, and, and it, you know, it sounds like any superhero movie. It sounds like multiple sci-fi movies, you know, this like you say it's just it's just been it's happened so much and i think her ability of the fire is the crux of this movie you know it's called firestarter so is that Mm. incredibly interesting no no is the answer like it's it's just fire like Mm. so then it's just her you know trying to get away and it's like you know uh, the whole Zac Efron having this weird, what did he call it? Click or something. What was his thing? Oh, the push. The push, that was it. Mm. <laughs> and I, I had click in my head because he has to click his neck when he does it for some weird reason. Yeah, um, it's that whole bit is very and, odd. Like, uh, Yeah, like his whole push thing is all a bit strange. And it's just like, it's it's one of those things where like King has obviously like, written these absolute masterpieces, you know, when we talk about Carrie and, sh- the sh- you know, Shining and actually what Shining is and then, you know, in eventually Doctor Sleep and kind of, mm. you know, um, Rose the Hat and all of those characters and all of their abilities. But it's like these people with these abilities, it, it does start to get a little bit like, like I say, this just, if, if you had said to me that this was a, a King ripoff, I would have believed it. Yeah, um, that's what it feels like to me. Because it is just, you know, it's another one of them just, oh, they've got, and it just kind of feels like, you know, it's throwing throwing that idea at the wall and sometimes they stick. And this one's just quite generic. But the movie's not terrible. I think that's the, the one thing I would say. Like, I didn't find the movie terrible. I found, you know, most things in it competent. It just was not an exciting story, which is, mm. which is a weird one when, when you think of the source material. Like I say, when you think of King... And you think of the IP that has come out, the horror IP that has come out because of King. Like, fundamentally, this just isn't a great story for me. Um, Mm. You know, when they started to delve into kind of where these powers came from and all of that, again, it's just, oh, yeah, it's just government. You know, they just kind of like experimenting, don't they? You know, it just kind of none of it felt, you know, special in any way. And I think um, ultimately that's where the movie suffers. I think it does have some, like, you know, when I, when I when I first started watching it, I thought this movie was was gonna be, you know, bordering more of a twelve than a, than a fifteen. But I think at least we do get, you know, some of the kind of horror parts and not not so much mm. horror parts. But I think there's some good scenes in there. You know, there's there's some quite horrific kind of burn sequences and and a couple of other moments that that. And I think even the language is quite adult in this movie and, and quite direct in that as well. And I think sometimes it felt more genuine. And I think sometimes movies pull pull their punches. You know, when when you know a character should swear in a situation, but the movie's already had three swears and they're trying to get a PG-13 or a 12, so they can't swear anymore, you know? Mm. And they're like, oh, gosh, dang it. And I'm like, no, no, that's not what you'd say in that situation. Like, this movie you know, the dialogue does feel genuine and, and all of that side of it. Like I say, I think the, the, the wraparound is all fairly competent. It's just, I wasn't 
into it i i wasn't super enjoying the journey it just chugged along with the story that, that we were given yeah i completely agree with that like to me this is a painfully average film um and those are like almost the hardest ones to talk about because the, i you know if it's bad or it's laughably bad there's so much to talk about and this isn't that um but on the flip side this movie does nothing to kind of differentiate itself from a um, from a sea of also generic films um it is just so like say by the numbers and within 10 minutes of establishing this family i kind of felt like i knew the exact roadmap for the rest of the film um and at no point did it deviate from that it felt so strictly on that road until the very final moment and then when credits rolled i was like yep that was that film that was exactly what i thought that film would be when i started watching it 10 minutes in um it made me feel no emotion either way um you know i was never invested in these characters when you're dealing with a story which is centered around a young child um you have to feel emotionally invested in that and i also think that you have to be more harsh on it because that is like a layup when it comes to storytelling if you have a child in danger as the lead character i think yes we've seen a lot of things do that very well and i don't want to discredit them obviously but i do think it is kind of cheating because like it's ingrained into us to a care for child for children and so it is like a one-up of like well of course i'm going to care for this little girl and evil people are trying to you know get her and the fact that i didn't just shows a complete failure on this movie's part in terms of storytelling and character development is that like at no point did i really feel any danger for charlie at all um at no point did I ever care about this family dynamic being broken up. Like, I actually found it to be a bit of a joke, really, the family. Like, it was so unbelievable. This was what we've said time and time again. It just felt like free actors just plonked together with zero real true family dynamic um i don't want to always just directly compare because i do feel like sometimes you can do a disservice but like we have to mention a film like freaks that is um it must be inspired by the original firestar um and obviously different stories along the way like you say stranger things like every x-men story like there's so many different things about this of like a child that has a power that the bad guys want to take away and i think that in so many cases i felt so invested and involved and there's like you say when you when you delve into the king aspect of it you know the mythology that he builds with different characters that have abilities and how goddamn unbelievably memorable they all are yeah. across all of his stories you know like every king story i've either you know read like uh, you know half a dozen at this point and i've obviously seen way more films there's just so many that that, that leave an impact on you and there isn't anything about this free group of of characters in this family that left any impact on me it really felt like oh yeah one of them's got fire one of them could read minds and the other one can float objects like come on could you not make it you you couldn't make it more basic than that if you tried Mm. um and 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 a movie like this as well has kind of unlimited potential of throwing in new characters that have cool new shit like cool new abilities the movie just doesn't do that it introduces like a third party the kind of richard brake-esque character that we discussed and, and that's it there's there's no other dynamic for the rest of the film it's just that until the end um which i was kind of blown away by especially leading into the finale i, I was already kind of like yeah this is this is becoming boring but it is moving at a swift enough pace that i'm not actually fully bored i'm just not invested um but i was like oh but i know there'll be some shit at the end for sure and and that whole finale sequence was just so boring to me um and and very much felt like yeah this is going exactly the way i thought it was gonna go like yeah this character's doing this has like the feigned sacrifice has this like what they think is going to be emotional moment that just completely falls flat and i couldn't see how anyone could find emotional moments in this because they just don't set it up well enough at all um I think, like, Zac Efron is completely miscast in this film. I, d- I don't know why. I-, I get that he's, like, he could portray this because he's 34, but him playing this kind of grizzled, older dad character just feels off to me from yeah. the get-go. I-, I don't know about you, but it felt weird seeing him in this role. Um, just felt unnecessary, you know. Yeah. I think, I think you know, what you touched upon there is, like you say, not just the layup of a, a, um, a child being in danger but just that parental bond as well there's been so Mm. many movies where that parental bond gets me and it doesn't have to be a quiet place 
You know, mm. it, it can be a movie that's not even that good, but I suddenly just they get me, and I'm and the amount of times we've watched movies for the show where I'm kind of annoyed, where I'm like, oh, you got <laughs> me, like, and I'm like, that's yeah. not fair. That, like you say, that's that's almost like a. Yeah, it's cheap, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's just like, no, no, you can't get me on that emotion. You know, that, mm. that's just like showing a, someone get kicked in the nuts. Like, of course, I'm going to scream at it. Like, I'm going to feel it. And it's like, it's, it's the equivalent of that in a, in a story dialogue. And I just think like, um, you know, this is one of the very few times where I just didn't feel that bond. And I think it is because of the casting, because it was just... You know, Zac Efron's a great actor, but it just, you know, he felt weird in that role. And, and the whole, like you say, that whole family dynamic just, it felt like it was just an experiment. Like, mm-hmm. one, like I, I wouldn't have been surprised. I, I was kind of waiting for a heel turn. Yeah. Where, where Zach just turns around and be like, yeah, of course I'm not your dad. Like, I was just like, I'm a scientist. I was just looking after you. Like, you know, because that's what that relationship felt like. And, yeah, well, uh, you make a good point because we get shown that, don't we? Of like they basically just got thrown together in this experiment, mm. but then that's how it feels for the entire yeah. movie. Not the fact that they've like actually raised this child and, and supposedly care for it. Like, well, they were, <laughs> they're still in that same place, aren't they? Of just we just feel like we're thrown together, yeah, which clearly they weren't. Because the movie does start fast. Like we do, yeah. we do get a kind of in the school very quickly having an outburst, and then the government kind of. Um, descending upon them which you know i i appreciate moving at speed but it but it does mean that there's no family being created and like even like at a point in the movie where he's like you know charlie remember when i told you to run like remember i told you one thing and she's like run and i'm like did they like was that (laughs) was that a conversation they had at some point i'm like i don't i don't recall (laughs) like it just it just feels like there was character development and and emotion and family bond that that just wasn't there for some reason whether it was cut or whether it was just never there yeah it was a weird one like the only other thing i did want to mention was the um the soundtrack um Mm. because it was it was odd right where you have this synth soundtrack that comes in um and obviously I've, i've learned since then that john carpenter did the music for this which makes a lot of sense and and it makes even more sense having seen the movie because when i was watching it i was like this synth soundtrack which whilst on its own is a good one does not tonally remotely fit this movie in the slightest yeah well it's like it it comes in at such a random time um it's not consistent either there's like another score that completely accompanies this movie which is way more of just a generic score which is which does most of the heavy lifting probably 75 percent of the scenes but then occasionally you'll get this synth track that comes in that really overpowers the score and i was like again if i'm in the mood for listening to some synth music it was pretty good but like it didn't remotely fit the tone of this um film and it was the one thing i checked having seen the film because i found it bizarre and then having now read about it i'm like oh that makes perfect sense that they got carpenter involved he made some cool synth songs but he had nothing to do with like he wasn't getting like dailies or and you know reading firestar and be like right what is really the tone of this story he just made some cool songs and they slapped it over the top of it and, and it really i it fe- i felt like i was watching a fan edit of someone who liked synth songs also liked firestar 2022 and they mashed them together and this is what we got was this fan edit and it turns out nope that's actually the version they released um which is odd to me like what, what did you think of the score yeah i mean it, it it's just because it was so over all over the place it just doesn't it, like you say it's the whole thing where it just feels like a bit of a hodgepodge where mm. it just doesn't work and even if it's good you know, I don't. I don't even care whether it's good music. I think is what I'm getting at because if it's good music mm. that doesn't fit tonally with what you're watching, then it then it doesn't matter. You know, yeah. I think um, it's supposed was, to accompany the movie yeah, as well. What the supposed what the to do was now, but it was a couple of weeks ago that I was kind of joking at a movie where it was it was kind of like this smorgasbord of free sounds where it was just like the music that you'd heard before, and it was. <laughs> And it was like that was off season, wasn't it? Was it was it off season? I I think so. Yeah, I I can't remember now. You know, it's always a blur. Let alone uh, with. (laughs) I think um, you know, with with that, it was kind of like, yeah, that was that that was funny. But I also said it it did work. 
You know, mm. it wasn't, it, it didn't feel wrong. It just felt like I'd heard these sounds before, but they still fit tonally with that movie. It wasn't awful. Whereas this was a better sounding movie, but it just didn't fit with what I was seeing. Yeah, it was a bizarre choice. Like, I don't even know why they did this. Like, it's just, it's weird. I don't, I don't, I don't know why. I don't know if John Carpenter has some lineage to Firestarter that I'm not aware of, but it's just well, a weird choice either assumed, way. Because I saw his name in the opening credits. And yeah, it feels like an unnecessary cost for a movie that is full of unnecessary costs. You know, that adding that carpenter composer to your budget again, like it's just like mm. why why add that to the bottom line? I didn't I didn't see it advertised anywhere. You know? Yeah. Like why why bother getting him involved unless you're gonna cash in on his name? Yeah, it's a weird one. Um, we did actually have a quick question as well um, on Twitter um, from Real Faith, who says, why can't they make a decent adaptation of this? Mm-hmm. Um, so they're clearly not a fan of, of either of the movies. And I mean, is the is the book good? Someone let us know who's read it, because like having seen this adaptation, I don't have any interest in this story. And I do wonder, are they just forgetting different things? Like, is there something to do with the agency that created all this? Is that where the cool mythology comes from? Is there other characters? that they just omit for time constraints like would this work as a miniseries more than a film like i really don't know um because i just see this and i don't know why yeah like you you said it perfectly this feels like someone tried to make a king king story it's like if someone watched carrie and went Mm. okay that's like a you know she's got powers and they that's it and they don't get like what carrie was about um yeah you know, they just took the 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 one line plot synopsis, like you know, uh, a teenage girl develops these superpowers and you know needs to figure out how to control them. They're like, okay, cool, right? The powers fireballs, let's go. You know, and that's kind of what it feels like. And and yeah, I, I'd I'd be super interested to know whether the book has more weight than this movie. Like I say, I can't speak for the older movie, but certainly this one. Yeah, it, it, I'm not interested in this IP at all from this movie um yeah so yeah um, so yeah, as far as recommendations go, yeah, I, I wouldn't recommend it. Like you say, it's not terrible. This is like as bang average, kind of as 5 out of 10 as a movie really gets. I think the reason why I'd be more harsh on it is, number one, like the cost. Mm. You know, when you're spending that much to make a 5 out of 10 movie, that becomes way more egregious. Um, but number two, to cater it more to this podcast, like this isn't for us at all. It's worth saying, like I don't, I never got the sense that this was for horror fans. Um, the only thing in it really really is the fact that they kind of get like they crowbar carpenter in there because i feel like everything else about this zach efron being in it for one um and just with how generic it feels they were clearly going for as wide a net as possible they weren't thinking to themselves and, and again that's not the bloom house way like yeah. the bloom house way you know that there's a select audience that will pay to see their movies and they can be profitable for you through that so yeah i'm completely scratching my head as to why bloom house made this this feels like a sony horror yeah. film this yeah. doesn't feel like a bloom house horror yeah this this stick zach efron and put a big old budget on a stephen king ip because it mm. made a lot of money that's what yeah. it feels like and that just feels anti bloom house but definitely but yeah no i'm the, i'm the same i don't recommend it i do i feel like the conversation has probably gone you know i i didn't like i said i didn't think this was the worst movie that ever you know we've seen a lot mm. worse movies this isn't a bad movie but it's yeah. just an extremely average movie, and and for the, for that reason, I just you know don't recommend it. But also, I think it's not great to talk about either because it's so average. Um, yeah, you know, there's just weird. nothing that you can pick and be like, oh well, if it had done this differently, that would have been mm. great. I'm I'm like, okay, well, if it had got 15 million and put it in a better IP, that's what I would have done with this. <laughs> <laughs> or how about three IPs? Let's let's make three Blumhouse movies like they normally do, as opposed to this one. That would that would be my recommendation. Yeah, it's because like in some ways I feel bad for not even really diving into the story, but there just isn't anything worth talking I did about. It in, in my the opinion. synopsis, that's the problem. Yeah, isn't it? like it, that really is it. Like it's the setup is yeah, like a. a 
the setup is the story so there isn't there isn't it's almost lacking a second and third act mm. it's hey little kid has powers bad guys want her go and then they're all running around oh there's some cool fire scenes um you did mention as well so i do want to mention actually probably my favorite thing about the entire movie was that burn effect in the car yeah like that was fucking insane that was like easily one of the best burn effects i've ever seen like it was awful and excruciating to look at and but it was so well done i was like my god that was hats off to them because we've seen especially some even this year in in way better films that didn't look yeah. anywhere near as good as that. um so definitely shout out to that like whoever did that they did their job excellently <laughs> um but yeah no it's a, it's a, it wasn't a good one unfortunately um but yeah that was our discussion on firestarter i will take a short break and we will be right back yeah that is pretty much it for this week um we did actually watch uh continue watch the tv show that we'd mentioned um which was a bit of cursed films the second series um which i think we should just touch upon because it was obviously we we talked about the first two episodes being so fantastic mm-hmm. and i again highly recommend people check out all now the, the both seasons cursed films on shudder um but yeah they obviously did i guess to touch upon it real quick the the serpent and the rainbow episode um yeah because obviously we did our show on it this year having both watched the movie for the first time uh we didn't like it um and it was interesting because i was excited to be like okay is there more to this story is it going to give me an appreciation for the film and i did find it interesting to watch this episode um it- it certainly definitely reminded me of how bored i was during said film I appreciate again And different things whereas this was straight up like a let's look back at the making of and production of serpent and the rainbow mm. like it was very much time and a place we were there at this time doing these things and they got an ins- again like i'm blown away by the amount of coverage they get for these yeah. shows because you're talking about an episode in a tv show and for serpent and the rainbow they had every single person you would want to hear talk about serpent crazy and the rainbow. isn't it like they had all of the principal cast which was crazy they had the writer of the book they had the lead producer they had wes's son who worked with him on the movie like they literally had everyone who's still alive who could talk about it on said episode um so they made it as entertaining as humanly possible um i didn't like it that much just because i just don't like that film at all um and i was hoping I, i would find some kind of weird stuff about it but ultimately it was like yeah a lot of people were disappointed a lot of people had high hopes for it for the set and especially like the writer kind of went into it a bit about how mm. they kind of bastardized a few of the things which i found mm. that was probably the most interesting part I, I think that's what i found funny that he wrote the book to try to yeah. break, break the mythology or break the kind of you know uh, stereotype mm. and then yeah with voodoo wes, and that sort of stuff yeah and then wes made a movie about that stereotype like, yeah you know it it is it, it's weird just seeing these like these Wes movies and like you know as we've gone down this his kind of filmography and it's kind of like you know obviously we know the big hitters out there and we know how his movies specifically shaped us but mm. like you know as we start to delve into these the weeds of them it's kind of like oh that's probably why we've not watched them all like <laughs> he did some weird stuff back then and was and you know that some of the things as well that that they did on set and or did to make this film, it's like it, you know, it was just a different world. Yeah, but that's I, definitely I thought... one of the that's definitely one of the best things, isn't it, about this show? Yeah. Of you, 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 you get to take a trip down memory lane of a completely different era of film. Yeah, when they're just like, oh yeah, this was this was, we didn't realize, but we were at the cocaine capital of the world. Yeah. so basically everyone was just off their tits the whole time <laughs> like that that i found quite entertaining to hear them talk about yeah and, there was definitely some know, moments I, yeah like I, it's one of them where i'm like and especially with wes's son i did find him mm. very interesting 
And I was like, why can't they ask him about some of Wes's other movies, please? Because I would love to hear, you know, I've never seen his son in an interview before. And it was like, he was very candid and frank about things. I would have loved to have mm. heard more about the movies that I care more about. Yeah, well, it was it was good because he was obviously he was on set and he was there. You know, he was I think he was part of the art department. Um, mm, so he was yeah, very much working yeah. on the film. Obviously, I don't know how hands on he was with the other Wes productions. I did like that they showed his little cameo in Last House on the Left yeah. as a child. That was fun. Um, but yeah, I think I thought it was still a good episode. It just wasn't as good as mm. the previous two we've discussed. I think quickly touching upon what I thought was the worst episode um, was the episode on Stalker, yeah. um, which is a movie that I've not seen and I will never see. Um, yeah. I, I think the, the movie just doesn't interest me in the slightest. From the, from the second they started talking about what the movie was, I knew immediately the movie wasn't for me. Um, right. So I hoped that the episode would at least delve into some interesting things, but it really didn't it's a lot to do with kind of soviet politics and and kind of 80s you know cold war going into chernobyl and it just i've i I have had watched and consumed stuff within that era and time period that is interesting to me this just wasn't there was a lot of hokey coincidences there was a lot of people talking in front of camera saying well isn't it weird that this person died of cancer 12 years later and i'm like really like we got so much of that in season one and i'm like no i don't think it's weird that when a film production in the 70s or 80s that had let's say 100 people worked on it that maybe 10 percent of them died of cancer i think those odds are actually pretty good i I think that's statistically correct like You know, they were like, isn't it weird that a movie that was made in the 70s by middle-aged people, mm. uh, they're dead now. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, imagine if they'd done that with The Wizard of Oz, being like, isn't it weird that we can't talk to any of the cast, right? <laughs> like, isn't that strange? Isn't like, it weird that they all just have long, happy lives? It's weird, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, weird, but they're all dead now. Mm. Weird. You know, and like, yeah, I, I, found, I, I found it the same, that, you know, the movie, it just sounds like, something that doesn't interest me in the slightest and you know th- there was like a whole scene where this bloke was just showing them around where they film stuff oh my god like, i skipped through like, some of that i, I did man. not care in the slightest like, great they, they showed like and it was like this just water tower that was in the background and then mm. he ran along some fake train tracks <laughs> really i was like i honestly was like is this a joke that's I, the I thing like, like, this was such a niche episode because there's going to be one person who's really yeah. into stalker like the people they showed on that episode that are going to be buzzing to see themselves in this episode yeah. Yeah, like it, it was just so painfully dull and like i say this isn't an interesting movie um and this wasn't an interesting episode like i say it really I reminded one... me of the the worst part of season one of just like trying to pull weird coincidences out of thin air which they haven't done in any of the other episodes in my opinion for, for season two and they really started to stretch it in this one and, like rosemary's baby is a movie that i've not seen i have no affinity mm-hmm. for but i really enjoyed that episode and it made me interested to watch the film yeah you definitely know, serpent and the rainbow is more like our stalker where mm. it's like oh, okay yeah that like that's a weird ass movie that we've just very recently seen so that spoke to us Mm. But yeah, let, let's talk about the insane one, shall we? Yeah, I was going to say because they, they, I mean, I don't know what the best one was because I loved a lot of them, but they might oh, have saved the best. Yeah, they, they, they might have one. saved the best or last. The best, this is the best one ever. It's absolute insanity. Because yeah, Cannibal Holocaust. Obviously, as soon as you hear that, you're like, well, that has potential. Um, yeah. Once again, I have to start with they get every single person you oh could possibly God. want to hear talk about Cannibal Holocaust to the point yeah. of I'm like, do these people know this is being filmed? I know, and, and saying the shit they're saying on camera um one couple yeah couple that were talking they clearly didn't (laughs) yeah definitely not i mean you're dealing with people of a certain age as well where it's like it is mind-blowing that you get people that are i'm gonna assume at least you know they're seven last four yeah it's yeah like it's just well that's the thing and, it, and and you're dealing with you know people also not speaking primarily in their first yeah. dialect as well so you don't know how much is lost in translation and or how much they even know is going to go out when they're speaking in italian and stuff so it's like it was just mind-blowing it was fascinating from start to finish i immediately sought out cannibal holocaust because i was like i need to watch it i haven't watched it yet like recently um you know not for a very long time but again you talk about that's what the magic of this show is is kind of like unraveling these crazy stories and and like now with the context of this episode i feel like watching that movie is going to be a completely different experience um 
because yeah, it's just crazy like all the stuff that happened and everything and like Ugh. i say the fact that they got the director and all of the cast and these people yeah. that are basically saying like this movie killed my career and like i don't want anything to do with it but they're somehow talking about it in 2022 like that's, it just blew my mind insanity that like so many of these people never went back to acting because of mm. it not not just because they couldn't get a job you know, it wasn't like, oh, we've been shunned because of it. Like, which there was first, some of that as well. <laughs> yeah, but it, but it was mainly because they didn't want to get. You know, that that it just burned them so badly. Mm. Like, it was just such a crazy, insane experience. You know, when they, you know, when they talk about some of the things that they made them do, like, it, I, I just can't believe it. And the director, the whole time, like, when they're, I think that's what this, like talk about obviously the content and everything else you know when we knew that they were doing wizard of oz we knew that there was content there like mm. you say Hannibal, cannibal holocaust we know that that has you know quite a history but i had no idea of this and then let alone hearing the actors talk about it and then seeing and that's how this was so well made then you get the director like boasting about it um it, it was such a weird juxtaposition and i think it was edited together perfectly Mm. And, and and that's what made it so entertaining to watch, um, you know, and I just think, you know, we talked, you know, I said about how with Wes, how they, it was a time and a place and how, you know, you, you can't make these things like that now. Like this director was just the absolute kind of, uh, you know, that's what Hollywood felt like or filmmakers felt like, like as long as I've got a camera in my hand. Mm it's all good like yeah you know you just kind of like you know when you see like these jokey things in like spoofs and that where it's like got a permit we're filming yeah it's like yeah that that's literally what he did he was just like well, i i can do whatever i want as long as i've got the camera in my hand i'm making a movie i'm mm. not a psychopath like in what world is he not a psychopath for making this movie yeah well that's the thing again what we just touched upon about uh, you know you get this trip down a time and a place and i think yeah. movies like a cannibal holocaust it feels like stepping into an alternate universe at this point. Yeah. When you think about how much kind of red tape is involved in making anything these days, the fact that these guys went to where they did and made the movie they did and then was able to kind of live freely after that is mind-blowing in itself. And so, yeah, the fact that we get this retrospective all these years later with a, with a modern-day lens looking at it from the perspective of the people that lived it it's incredible. Like I, I haven't. I, I can't say enough good things about this. I think this season two of Cursed Films is one of the best things I've seen this year, um, and I really think it's one of the best things Shudder has ever put out. Um, the, the, these guys who made this season are incredible, and I just pray that enough people watched it so they get to make more of it. Um, because there's again, there's there's such a huge plethora of things that you don't even have to begin to think about off the top of your head that you're like, oh my god, do a story on that, do a story on that. So this could run and run. Um, and I think they had a perfect mix in this season, even though something like Stalker didn't land for me. I like that they picked something that's really off the beaten path. Because like yeah. you say, I think with, with season one, doing like Poltergeist and Omen and, you know, they, there was a lot of tonally similar projects. Yeah, I think the five they chose here are all so different, um, which is great. And, and like I say, doing a non-horror film as well like i i would say they probably should have swapped the the number in and started with cannibal and ended with wizard yeah. um because i do think they were the best two episodes um but i don't know why you wouldn't just start with the horror focused one to be honest but it doesn't really matter at this point because they're all out um but yeah it was absolutely incredible season wasn't it like definitely definitely i think it's just you know like you said after season one it was enjoyable and it was enough to get me back into season two. But the way that they've delved into these things, and, and you're right that they've chose the IP correctly. Yeah. They haven't just been like, oh, yeah, The Crow was pretty messed up, right? And then mm. just, like, done an episode on it. It's like, you know, that they've gone, you know, super obscure. And, and with something like Stalker, yeah, it didn't it didn't speak to us. But, like, it could have. Mm. Like, yeah, I'm and, and even, you know, I was entertained throughout that f for parts of it. Like it wasn't terrible. I think I still probably enjoyed that more than some of the episodes in season one. Yeah, because it was know? still the production level was just so high. It was just yeah. one obviously a thing that we didn't find interesting. Yeah. But yeah, you know, because they found obscure people to take you down imaginary train tracks. 
Like, it's well, the, just well, the thing that you have to give that credit for is again, you're dealing with like a, a, an aspect of the world that is very hard to track down. Yeah. And so, and again, they got everyone. Like, they got everyone. So, for people that give a shit about Stalker, they're having a time it's, of their it's life. The definitive. That's the thing. Like, that's the definitive conversation on Cannibal Holocaust and mm. Serpent in the Rainbow and Stalker. Yeah. You know, like it's incredible alone, isn't it? Yeah. You know, Wizard of Oz potentially not because it's such a crazy movie, but it's still the yeah. best version of that i've seen yeah certainly you know, a bite-sized version the, the, when you yeah, get that the, much information like these yeah. are these are 40 minutes but i feel like i got two hours worth of information in all of yeah. them which is a real tri- treat i think the one thing i would say is that if you if you're not interested in this just give the cannibal holocaust one a watch yeah that's all definitely. i would say is like you know there's two seasons of this don't watch like 10 episodes or have many it is to to like you know, get get to that one, watch that one, and then if you truly then want to delve in more, then do it. Because I just mm. think that Cannibal Holocaust one needs to be seen because it's just yeah. it's absolute insanity. Yeah, I, I watched the Wizard of Oz one twice already. I'm definitely going to watch the Cannibal one again. Like I want to, because oh, yeah. that's what I'm I did. Watch I, the movie and then watch it again. For that's sure. exactly what I did with Wizard of Oz. So like, yeah, that's what I want to do with Cannibal Holocaust. So that'll be that'll be fun at some point um, if I can get for it. Um, but yeah, it was that was a great time watching a bit of TV. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, in the coming weeks, we we have like. A very exciting schedule, so I don't want to get a downer on it, but there is a bit of a downer to start things, um, which is that we thought we'd be seeing men next week um, on the 20th of May, which is when it was out in the States. And we, with again, we've been saying this the entire time, that until the week hits, we don't know what the fuck's happening. And to my knowledge, unless things drastically change in the next few days, it seems like the UK gets it on the 1st of June. Um, which on the face of things, like a 10, 10 or, you know, 11 uh, day delay isn't the end of the world. But the fact that it puts it right after Stranger Things really does throw a spanner in the works for us, especially in terms of the schedule of the show. Um, cause we were very much looking forward to covering it next week. Um, and kind of getting that out of the way because early June, we start to, you know, we get dash cam that week as well um we then get crimes of the future david cronenberg's return the week after that supposedly so there's a lot of big stuff coming and whereas yeah we wanted to talk about a tv show and stranger things um so yeah well again it's a good problem to have all of those things i just mentioned we will do a show on um it just depends on the order and at this point i have no clue because it's really thrown it in the works um so yeah we will have exciting stuff to talk about um just not we really want to talk about men next week and that's probably not going to happen now so we might be talking it's about not. yeah so but we might be talking about a bit of craven um which i'm very much excited for to talk about some shocker love, love a bit of craven um and then either way there will be an episode 300 we just don't know what it's going to be on yet at this point <laughs> <laughs> it could be on stranger things it could be on men it could be on dash count who knows it's gonna be it's gonna be on something like who who, who cares about the number and really it but, will yeah. it will be in a couple of episodes that's when that's when that is be. that is for certain um and and like i say this is it's a good problem to have i've listed about five you know film slash tv shows there i'm excited for all of them genuinely Mm. can't wait for men for dash cam crimes of the future stranger things like these are all very exciting things and then by that point we're going to be mid-june we're going to be less than a month away from the return of jordan peele so this is a yeah this is a very exciting time like we've been waiting for this and i really do feel like june and july is for some unknown reason it happens every year and you can't predict it with horror there'll always just be a random two-month period this busy seems Mm -hmm. like it's june and july this year so hopefully i'll take it so like summer's usually pretty dead so uh, that's pretty exciting um but yeah that was episode number 297 Uh, thanks for listening as always and we'll see you again very soon see you later everyone Shut up, I can't Mainly because I never could How could I stop?